Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, and thank you, Megan. You are a tough act to follow, I'll tell you. Man, oh, man. The consummate professional, you and Greg both. Greg's producing today. And, folks, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your outdoors or indoors as related to plants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Every Saturday we get together, Saturday morning actually, to discuss your yard, landscape, garden, houseplants, potting mixes, soil improvement, pruning, diseases, bugs, planting, removals, and all that other kind of stuff. But please remember my words, open opportunities. After that, it's going to be work on your part in this great marathon called gardening. It's never going to be a sprint. Sprints just don't work. They don't last. And uh, remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you being here. And thanks to Greg. He is producing today. I haven't seen him for quite a while. He says he normally comes in after my show's over, so he doesn't like gardening, apparently. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available in uh, various locations, and I write articles for Missouri Gardener Magazine as well. During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home, answer the questions that you have, whether they're aesthetic or problem solving, and also then throw in things that I see that may be impacting your landscape that you did not even consider were going to be impactful. So uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It steps off right now. Wow, I tried multiple spots. I wanted to get down to the arch grounds because of fireworks, you know, coming up, 4th of July and all that other stuff. But there was so much chaos and confusion on the streets down that in that direction, I couldn't find a place to park. So, unfortunately, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I'm really sad that I couldn't. And I was going to you know, park in the old cathedral parking lot, but somebody was pulling a sign across and wouldn't let anybody in because apparently there's a wedding there today, so the only cars that could park there were for the wedding. I thought, well, I'm for the wedding, except the guy would look at me, and I just have a white T-shirt on with shorts, of course, but uh, he'd probably go, are you sure you're here for the wedding? Oh, yeah, I'm here for the wedding, but no. So anyway... I decided, well, to head west, and the sky was fantastic this morning. The clouds were really of all sorts, and the sun was starting to push through, and it was a great accent. So I got here at, actually to the KMOX building. And uh, to, what is I forget what the address is. We're on the third floor, though. Anyway, Market Street was being set up and closed off for the parade that's going to be starting. I think it starts at noon, but I'm not exactly positive when it's uh, starting. But anyway, if you happen to be at Market and Tucker, 
you know, watching the parade, the median planters at that intersection, you're going to see some pale red knockout roses, some orange daylilies, purple coneflowers, and a few black-eyed Susans. Then the planters across the street on the west side of Tucker, the hanging baskets of chartreuse sweet potato vines. Wow, they look spectacular. Then in the large circular um, planters that are on the street, chartreuse sweet potato vines as well, along with maroon and purple varieties of sweet potato vines. There's some feather reed grass that shoots up like bottle rockets. There's some yellow lantana, which clusters really look nice and is starting to cascade over the edge of the pots. There's two varieties of coleus showing what great diversity that plant has as far as foliage colors. With coleus, with coleus you really the, f- the flowers are really kind of boring, and you just pinch them off. But uh, also there's some visible, uh, visual spice created by red begonias, and there's some red-stemmed elephant ears and some dark pink periwinkle and these big planters. And then across the sidewalk underneath the trees in these other large pots, <coughs> excuse me, pots set under, <coughs> excuse me, underneath the trees, you're going to see some oleander and then all kinds of varieties of coleus as well as purple tradescantia. Along Market Street, all kinds of flashing lights and everything else, numerous kinds of trucks. And as I was standing there, a fire truck comes blazing out of the fire station, which is right there, virtually Highway 64 and Tucker Boulevard, and uh, screaming sirens. It's fire truck E2, and it heads east down Market. So I hope something bad wasn't going on down that way because I know they're getting ready for the parade. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off by going to Trenton, Illinois, and going into Randy's yard. Randy, how are you today? Doing fine today, thanks. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, The question I have is I'm building a new home. And it seems that the backfill from uh, the basement is mostly clay. Of course. What would be my, what would be my approach to uh, treating that to get a nice lawn this fall? Uh, basically, you know, subsoil that deep is not going to be real easy to work with. But, uh, you know, get it all leveled out get, and then start adding some, a couple inches of compost to the, you know, to the soil and just, you know, improve it that way or, you know, have this stuff hauled off. And then just bring in a topsoil compost mix. Okay. Because I mean, this is going to be heavy duty. You're gonna, it's going to take years before you can get this, you know, soil from the sub. You know, you have to realize how deep your basement is. That soil down there is really pretty much compacted. That's where they sort of mine clay soils for making bricks. Is that deep? So th- that's what you're going to have to deal with. So either get rid of that stuff and uh, just bring in some, you know, new soil, or try to improve this, you know, this clay soil with just adding three or four inches of compost and mixing it with the existing soil. Don't just lay it on top, and don't just bring in some topsoil and lay it on top of this soil because that really won't help. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to South County. And Marie, how are you today? Oh, thanks for your information. Um, was had a couple questions. Um, I heard that you recommended a possible tree service for the galls on oak trees, and I was wondering how to find a good tree service that could do that and, and how effective it is. 
And also I have scale on my Uranimus again. And um, I was wondering, I have some by a split-leaf maple, and I was wondering if, if I got that on the split-leaf maple, if it, would, if it would harm it, and how caustic it is that I have to be careful when I'm spraying that to not get it on myself or if it isn't a problem. Basically, uh, the, the scale that's on your Uranimus is not going to get onto your maple. It's just not going to happen for the most part. And for the, controlling the scale, you need to, this time of year, get something called a summer weight horticultural oil. And you just spray it and you cover all the, you know, all the virtually the scale with it. What that does is suffocate the scale. A traditional type insecticide does not work on the scale at all. Then next year around Valentine's Day, you want to get a dormant oil, which is a little bit heavier duty, and give your euonymus another spraying to control, get this scale under control. And if you have a lot of scale, it may take a while, you know, a couple of years before you're finally going to get rid of it. And it's not going to fall off or anything else because it's going to be stuck there. And uh, so you're not going to be sure if you got it all killed or not. That's why a couple applications will certainly help you. And the way to tell, finally, if you got it under control is the new growth, if it doesn't have any scale on it, that means the scale has pretty much been killed off. And as far as the galls go, there's not too much these companies can really do about the galls. I mean, they can, you know, assess them and they can, you know, treat them. There is an injection system and things like that. But any tree service, there's not a whole lot that can actually be done that's going to be, that's going to cause a dramatic effect. And again, just like with the scale, the galls are going to stay on the tree until finally that particular branch, you know, sloughed it off or, you know, that tip breaks off in the wind or things like that. But, you know, Allen's Tree Service, which, you know, has sponsored the Garden Hotline, that's, they're a great tree service. Okay, Allen Tree Service. Right. And uh, is that is that diamond oil? Is that is that caustic to human skin? Do, do I have to be careful using it, or is it not a problem? Well, I mean, anything that's chemical is, you know, depending upon how sensitive you are. But the dormant oil is pretty passive, to be honest. The dormant oil, again, is the one that you'd spray in February around Valentine's Day. And the summer weight oil, which is, a, you know, called virtually that's one that you can spray during the active growing season. It's, you know, they're both fairly, you know, I don't want to say non-toxic because everybody has their sensitivities. I was just talking to Greg earlier about how this time of year the ragweed's starting to come into flower and, you know, consequently it almost chokes me up. But most people don't, you know, they're not impacted by ragweed at all. So anyway, if you are sensitive to it, just always be careful. Always read the label before you apply anything. Now the 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 uh, split leaf maple kind of hangs over this Euronymus. Uh, will will that you know I'll try not to get it on the split leaf maple, but it probably will get some of it on it. Will that harm that? It really shouldn't, but you know minimize the amount that you're going to you know that actually gets on it because you want to spray right onto the you know onto the scale. So if unless this branch actually hangs down into the Euronymus from the maple, then you should be okay. Yeah, it does hang on. It hangs over it. <laughs> if it's over it and not hanging down in it, that's, you know, that's different. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Good luck with that. And, yeah, the scale is a real problem with the euonymus. There's, and for people that don't know what scale is, it's an insect that actually uh, has a cuticle, more or less like a fingernail, on the outside of it. And what they do is they attach themselves to leaves, and it's not just with the uh, you know, euonymus, there's several different kinds of plants that are impacted by the scale. 
And that's why the traditional type insecticides don't work as far as killing because the insecticide cannot penetrate that uh, cuticle, that fingernail that actually covers the scale. The scale, when they're born, they virtually move very slow and they finally find a spot where there's no other scale and they just attach themselves and they spend the rest of their life in that same spot. So that's kind of what the story is with the scale. Let's go to O'Fallon. And Leslie, how are you today? I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Uh, my question is, um, I have a garden bed with shrubs in it, and I have a lot of wild onions, and I'm trying to get rid of those. Uh, wild onions are a tough one to get rid of. But to, well, wild onion is a type of grass. So in other words, it has a narrow blade. It's not grass technically. But try to go after it with, if you're afraid to use Roundup or something like that, go out there and, you know, I don't know how much wild onion you have, but if you can cut it off at about you know a couple inches and then spray a grass killer right after you cut the onions, it's still going to take a couple years to get it under control. Oh, okay. It's not going to happen at once. There's no getting around it. Okay. Is it if we pull it out, will it create more or cause cause it to grow more? Not necessarily if you get the entire root system out, but every, t- every place that you see those circular blades coming up out of the ground, that's at the end of that, there's a small, let's say, onion. And you just pull it and you don't get all of them out. You're not really doing all that much, except maybe you're using an ad instead of going to Gold's Gym or something, doing it for exercise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you really have to understand that with any kind of weed that you're getting or trying to get out by hand, you have to dig them out and you have to get the entire root system or basically you're wasting your time and effort. So if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, if you're growing things in containers or pots, every two weeks fertilize. you got to do it. Why, you say? Well, what about Osmocote? Osmocote, in theory, is a fertilizer that you put on once and it feeds your plants for the entire year. That's, I just, when it first came out, I tried it. I wasn't satisfied with it. That's not to say if you want to use it and you've been satisfied with it or if you want to try it, please do. But I still think, you know, either getting like a liquifeed, which is a bottle that you screw into a hose and attachment and you just spray it out of the end of your hose or you can get some powders and mix it up with uh, water and just pour it in, uh, from a bucket onto your plant material. But it's really crucial, and the reason why it is more so with container plants is because every time you water your container, you can see the water leaches out of the bottom in the holes. And that's leaching a lot of the nutrients out. So that's what the real tr- you know, problem is in relationship to that. So every two weeks, whether it's a hanging basket, regardless of the size of the pot or anything else, and if you do that, you're going to see a huge amount of difference in the performance of your plant material. Uh, Catherine lives in Franklin County. Catherine, how are you today? Uh, I'm just fine. Uh, I've got calla lilies that are getting extremely thick, and I was wondering when is the best time to thin them out and transplant some of them, in spring or fall? or uh, Basically, fall is by far the best time to do anything related to that because the ground is warm, and that triggers new you know, root system growth. And consequently, then the plants get to go to sleep for the wintertime. So okay, that's, I... that's by far the best time versus spring because the ground is very cold in the spring. And then the plant material with maybe 
cold ground prevented a whole lot of new roots from getting established. Then the plant material is facing our summer, which that's really, truly the most brutal season that we have. Okay, so when I when I uh, dig them up in the fall, do I transplant them then in you know in uh, some other place? Yeah, right. Okay. So All dig right. them up and chop them into pieces, whatever you want. Just make sure you got some stems and you got some root system, and then move them to wherever you like. Sounds wonderful. Thank you very much. Certainly. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Also, this time of year, the, there are some great bulbs. I mean, whether they're cannas, whether they're elfin ears, whether they're caladiums, even dahlias, you're going to be amazed at how easy they are to take care of and what a performance they're going to do for you. So just keep that in mind. And gladiolas. Now, gladiola is like kind of a one-shot thing. But you buy gladiolas, they kind of look like a garlic bulb. You put them in the ground, the, f- the foliage is going to shoot up, and then you're going to have this great spray or stalk, more or less, of, you know, wonderful, depending upon the variety you got, of flowers with a gladiola. So that is really a plus for, you know, the gladiolas. Good thing with the gladiolas is, too, I mean, the garden centers still have these bulbs. Just buy some and then plant every, like, 10 days or so. Then you could have a whole sequence of gladiolas in flower. If you put them in the ground all at once, that's fine. You could have a huge bouquet for the inside of your house. But if you kind of want to string them out over a period of time, just plant some every 10 days. Head up to Florissant and go into Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Yeah, good morning. Hi. Uh, here's my problem. I, I had my lawn, my front lawn, all restarted and everything, all landscape. And uh, it was beautiful for about a month, month and a half. And then the nuts edge come come in on me. Ooh. I guess, I don't know, is that from overwatering or what? No, nuts edge, the seeds had to be there. Or they had to come in with some soil or something that somebody brought in. It has nothing. You're not going to create nuts edge if you just water. It, it was it was all resodded, new sod. Right. So either you had nut sedge below that, you know, when the new sod was put down, and so the nuts grass, nut sedge, can push through sod easily. It that doesn't suffocate oh, really? it by any means. Oh yeah. So if somebody, uh, ta- I, if somebody, or you thought that you know, if you put sod down, it will suffocate the nut sedge. That is not true whatsoever. Well, they turned the dirt over before they put the sod down, but I did have nut sedge problem before, too. Right. So unless you had killed it off with like a sedge ender, a specific herbicide to kill the, the nut sedge nutgrass, then you're going to have the problem is going to be there. Because just rot- rototilling, shoveling, or whatever, turning the soil over does not get rid of you know, nutgrass or really, really truly any kind of weeds. Uh, let me ask you this. I, I bought... Uh, I bought at the hardware store, this uh, ortho nut sedge killer. Right. Will that affect? Will that hurt my my sod? No. I put down? It will not. It, it specifically just sprays directly on the individual nut grass plants or nut sedge plants. It it can, if the temperature is high, it can create kind of a brown spot where you spray it as it's killing the nut grass. But the lawn will recover from that. So it may okay. cause some discoloration, but don't worry too much beyond that. Okay, so it would be okay to go ahead and put this nut sedge killer down then? 
Right. Read the label, though, and make sure temperature-wise that it's, you know, you're not going to put it down when it's too hot because you can create a bad, you know, bad impact for just your yard in general. So read the label on, you know, temperatures and then just go from there. Okay. Do you have any recommendation for a, a lawn care service that is not, not just grass cutters but somebody really involved with all the chemicals and everything and well, there's several very good ones throughout the entire region. Uh, in Ferguson or on Ferguson Road, there's a company called Bluegrass Lawn. You might give them a call. Blue, bluegrass Lawn. Right. Okay. Well, listen, I, that's, that's really inform, uh, good information because I thought when I they, – they even turned the dirt over before they put the sod down. Yeah, that, bit, doesn't, you know? that doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it helps the new side get established. So anyway, thanks, Bill. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get ready for the cards and Washington Nationals tonight. Amron pregame show 520. First pitch 615. Following the game, it's live with Mike Claiborne. Hear it here on your home for the best Cardinals coverage. KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller. Sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you do have any questions or concerns, when Greg answers the phone, just give him your name and where you're calling from. That's all you need, and it works very smooth. Let's head out to Fenton and go into Jane's yard. Jane, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, We have a number of spruce trees in our backyard, and uh, three of them are blue spruces. The oldest one is probably about 12 years old and 25 feet high, and then they go down from there. All three of them are developing uh, where the bottom branches are just losing their needles and uh, it's gradually going up the tree. This started last year, I think, and uh, is there anything we can do about this, or what do you know about it? Basically, it sounds terrible, because usually when evergreens start at the bottom where the branches, as you're describing, you know, start dying off, and it starts going up the trunk, that means, you know, for whatever reason, the root system has been too wet, and the root system has been greatly reduced as far as its biomass, and this sounds horrible. Yes, it is. And it breaks my heart. So I guess there's nothing we can do about that? No, really, because these are older trees. You can't dig them up and replant them. If they'd been in the ground two years or something, I'd say, you know, dig them up and plant them higher, making sure that about the top 20% of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. But this, for whatever reason, irrigation system-wise, the screwy type of rain that we've had this year where certain months have flooded the grounds, and then June was, you know, about half the normal amount of rainfall. So some of the trees have really been, you know, let's say adversely impacted by the water circumstance. Okay, well, that's what I was afraid you were going to say. Yeah, sorry. Watch it. <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll turn down our irrigation system maybe. Or yeah, and you, you may, they may recover, but usually once they're started on a downhill slide like that, uh, they could, but I'm not saying if they don't, don't be surprised. All righty. Well, thank you anyway. Appreciate your show. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. And for other people, too, I was at a house this past week, and uh, they, they had an arborvitae, two of them. And they said, can you tell what's wrong with this one arborvitae? Like about a third of it was brown. I, I took a look really closely. 
it was in, I mean, there was hundreds and hundreds of bagworms on the thing. So they hadn't really looked that close. They're very good gardeners and everything else. But for some reason, they hadn't looked close enough to see the bagworms. So start watching out for bagworms, too. Not, that's not going to impact the spruces like the lady was just describing. But this was virtually from the top, at least past halfway down. And these were old, mature you know, arborvitae. So, again, watch out for the bagworms. Uh, Jake lives in Highland, Illinois. Jake, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for being on our show. Sure. Uh, I've got a lawn that's uh, overgrown with clover all of a sudden, the white flowering clover. Right. Is there anything that we can spray on the lawn to uh, eliminate that? <laughs> clover is very difficult. It's that, the one that you have is called Dutch white clover. Once it gets there... All you have to do is go out there and just try to pull up a little bit. You can see that they're all tangled together as far as the root system go. And the best thing you can probably do is spend the summertime going after, if you've got big patches of it, spray Roundup directly on it and try to get it under control and kill it that way with the idea that when mid to late August comes around, those areas that you've killed the Dutch white clover from, that you can rake and get some seed starter fertilizer and get some seed and try to get some new lawn established. But the, generally the weed, you know, be gone, the broadleaf weed killers really don't have a whole lot of impact on the Dutch white clovers. Okay, because normally we, in the spring we spray uh, 2,4-D. Uh-huh. And... Uh, but that, that won't do any good this time of year. No, really it won't. And I... Yeah, so just... I mean, you could give it a try. If you can always, if you've had success with anything, and this goes for anyone, if you've had success using a particular thing, just, you know, let's say cordoned off a, a five by five area where the Dutch white clover is and spray it right there and see what happens. See what kind of results you're going to get out of it. Okay. So, and also, do you know if Allen's Tree Service uh, services the. Illinois area? I don't think they go across the river because they're in Winsfield and the, the travel time is just, you know, it's a little bit uh, ex- intense. Is there anyone on this side of the river that you know of? Uh, I would say, you know, go to your favorite garden center and see who they may recommend. Or if you're down in, uh, you know, like, you know, Belleville, Effinger Garden Center, maybe contact them. They don't do it themselves, but they may be able to recommend people. Or call, I, you know, the I used to recommend using or calling it. Uh, Illinois Extension Service, but I don't know, think they even have offices anymore. Okay. Thanks for your information. Yep, Enjoy. sorry. Oh. And okay. uh, let's go now to Jackie in De Pere. Hi, Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Are you there? Uh, yes. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a, a rose uh, plant that my grandson gave me a few years ago. And I planted on the north side of my house, and this has been okay, but not as good as I know it could be. Right. Um, I'd like to take it out and just put it in a planter. I mean, in, in a you know uh, a, a big urn. Uh, would that be a good thing to do? And if so, can I do that now? No, don't do it now. But yeah, you can pull it up out of the ground if you want to, and just put it in a, a pot. You know, I grow knockout roses in pots. You mind yeah, I hear you say that a lot, and that works okay. How yeah. long over the winter, though? Do you have to move them inside someplace? Basically, what I do is I put mine in the garage. I don't have a garage. Uh, I have a court. 
Yeah, maybe uh, pull it up close to the house, as close as you possibly can, but just make sure it's not underneath the eave because you don't want it to go totally dry. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, okay, and you think that I should wait then until fall to dig it up? Yeah, if you don't, you're going to have real problems. But probably what I do, since it's a rose, Generally, roses are going to do better if they're sort of transplanted or planted in the springtime. So leave it alone right where it is all the way up until next, let's say, March or so, and dig it up at that time. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for the, for the clue. I sure. appreciate help. Right. right. Good luck with that. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're going back to Florissant, only this time we're going into Mary's yard. Mary, how are you today? Okay. I just bought a lilac bush in May and planted it. And it grows from four to six feet tall. Mm Mm-hmm. When do I fertilize that? Uh, Basically, you want to fertilize it in the early spring, just as the foliage is coming out. And right, that's going to be prior to the flowering. And then once it flowers, you want to fertilize it again. And that's pretty much it. Don't fertilize it, you know, this late in the season because a lot of times by the time the, the nutrients of the fertilizer are uptaken by the root system and everything else, the plants should be going to sleep for the, let's say, as the days get shorter for the wintertime. So you don't want to cause a surge of growth going into wintertime. So you want to fertilize in the springtime you know, just as the leaves are coming out and, again, just as it's starting to flower. Okay. Now, what do I use? Uh, you can just use a tree and shrub food, basically. You know, can I use a, a, a spike? Uh, no, don't forget those spikes. Just get some powder that you mix in water and just pour it around on the root system. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, the spikes are bull. I don't want to say bull, but they are bull. Because, I mean, they're compacted. It takes them forever to dissolve. So, I mean, you could be, you're probably only about 20 years old right now, so you could be 80 or something by the time they finally dissolve. Oh, for heaven's sakes. I'm exaggerating, of course, but still, those spikes are useless. Okay, well, that's what I wanted to know. Okay, great. Good luck with that. And realize with the lilacs, too, they like an alkaline soil. So maybe every couple of years you might add a little handful of lime around the root system and water that in, too. So now let's go to Pocahontas, Illinois, and Kathy lives there. Hi, Kathy. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Hi. I have a couple of questions, one on a wisteria and one on a honeysuckle. I have a honeysuckle, and it's got powdery mildew. So I've been, uh, I've sprayed it twice with bonide sulfur plant fungicide, Mm -hmm. and it's coming out at the top, and it has a lot of blooms on it, but the bottom half is still leafless and brown and ugly do i need to trim that up yeah you might as well because now is this a vine honeysuckle or is this shrub it's a vine okay so like red trumpet honeysuckle or is it the one with the white flowers it's the red trumpet and the hummingbirds love it yeah they i mean they're fantastic but a lot of times because the growth with any kind of vine gets so big at the top the, the plants, a lot of clematis do the very same thing. They don't put any, let's say, foliage growth at the bottom. So you may always end up just seeing, you know, snaked stems coming up with the new, with the growth of the foliage and the flowers and everything at the top for the most part. So, yeah, okay. anything that doesn't look good, go ahead and just, you know, get rid of that. Okay. And now my wisteria. I've had it for about four, five years, and it's 
it's only bloomed one time with one group of flowers and it's never bloomed again. And it just, do I need to prune it somehow or do I need to just cut it down and put a new one up? (laughs) Basically, don't prune it at all. And it could take, you know, several years. I don't know how big it was when you originally got it, but it could take, you know, multiple years before you're going to get any flowers off of it. And probably, I don't know when the, you know, you got the single flower, but that may have been the first year that you had it or at first year it was in your landscape. A lot of times right. the, the plants are, you know, let's say given steroids that are not available for the homeowners so people can, you know, get the excitement of that. But then reality comes back and this is kind of what you're looking at. So maybe, and if hopefully it's in full sun and not close to your house because it could pull the roof off your house. Yes, it's in full sun, Good. and I've got it on a trellis, um, pr- a pretty sturdy one. Great. And it just looks like a little tree. I mean, it's just so big and full at the top and, and hanging down. Right. But no flowers. Yeah, so don't do any pruning at all. Don't over-fertilize it and just kind of leave it alone. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. I enjoy your show. Well, great. Thanks for having me on your show. And, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of patience with some of these things. It's just, you know, we we kind of have that instant gratification circumstance. Let's go to Charlie, and he's in Afton. Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I got a multiple problem here. You told me some years ago when to fertilize zoysia, and I lost it. Can you give me that again? What Ver- months? Yeah, virtually as soon as it starts greening up, so that could be you know mid to late April, then fertilize in the next month, May, June, July, and then one last fertilizing in early September. I'm writing June, J-U-L-Y. No, no more after September. Huh? Yeah, nothing after early September. Because, you again, you don't want to force any kind of growth you know, for a plant that's a warm season type plant going into wintertime. Will do. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Now, I got, I got a case of honeysuckle like you, like you wouldn't believe. I'm using your formula. Cut it off four or five inches above the ground. Right. And put Roundup on it. And, boy, that's instant dust. Right. Uh, now, you told me also on another program, uh, tomatoes need calcium. Right. How, how am I going to feed them calcium? Well, you can actually get a carton of milk and pour No, don't do that. Basically, get a tomato food, and the tomato is specifically for tomatoes. It will have calcium in the fertilizer. They will? Yes. Who makes that, you know? miracle Grow. miracle Grow. Yep. It says tomato food, and it says, and that prevents the blossom end rot and a lot of the problems. So it's definitely essential to have that calcium for your tomatoes. Very, very good. You're our, you're an expert. Thanks a, mil- <laughs> thanks a million, Mike, and have a great holiday. You do the very same thing. Thank uh, you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a master of adjectives, let's face it. So let's go into Sam, and Sam lives in the city on the hill. Hi, Sam. Yeah, uh, Mike, um, I was wanting to know, you have a little bit of a problem with my Zoya. can't figure out what's going on with it. Uh, Laclede Gas, um, they dug this up, and then they planted Zoya grass over the top, uh, oh, I'd say about a year and a half ago. Um, but it's got, like, really pretty growth, like it's supposed to be, in a couple patches, a couple, two, three, four patches, okay? And then the rest looks like it's it's not completely dead, 
so I'm not suspecting any grub worms, but um, not that they would want to eat on zoya. They'll be there all day on one side, one plant. But um, it looks like it's got a yellowish tint to it, and it's not really growing at all that fast. Uh, basically, it's a fungus. It could be. Zoiza grubs do not eat fungus root systems at all. There's only one type, and it's bluegrass. That's the only thing grubs eat the root system of. They don't eat fescue. They don't eat zoiza. So grubs would never be the problem. And I'm surprised that, you know, Laclede Gas would put zoiza back because usually they just throw some seed out with some straw on the top of it and, and sort of drive away. So the fact well, that they did I, that. Well, I had zoya there, and I made a complaint to them because after they – dig up my ground and the right. person, the next person, next person. What happens is, is they just all put it in one pile, but they took all the zoya up, you know, and right. I, I told them, I said, you need to replace that. And they did. Oh, know? well, that's great. I'm glad they did. But your zoya, I mean, hopefully they've kind of improved the soil before they put the new sod down. So the areas that are looking good, that could be just from the fact that they simply, that particular spot, you know, had adequate soil. It wasn't just a subsoil from them trenching or anything else. So you're just kind of in a, t- a tough situation. I would just like the gentleman I was talking about or talking to with the fertilizing, you fertilize it, you know, monthly starting in late April, early May, as soon as it starts really looking green, and then all the way through September. So go to your favorite garden center and get some zoys of food and see if you can fertilize and get it, you know, kind of going in the right direction. Yeah, because when I... uh once they put it down, I stomped on it, you know, and pushed it where the roots, you know, and I watered it real good where sure. the roots took into the ground. And, you know, something kind of crossed my mind about that because it was just, you know, it's kind of the ground's like really hard and I, I water it all the time. Right. But I was thinking about putting like maybe three or four bags of topsoil on the top of it and then fertilize it, let it soak down in because I don't think it had that much it didn't really do a good job of because you know they're the clean gas. They're right. Not. Well, Sam, we got to run, but you could try that. Just make sure the topsoil you get is really good. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.